0: Fresh Air Production.
1: Hi, and welcome to Fresh Ears. I'm Neil Cowling, and I'm the founder of Fresh Air Production. We're the UK's leading producer of podcasts for brands and businesses, and we're made up of a team of wonderful people. We've got producers and people from across the audio world, from youth radio specialists to scientists, comedy lovers, project managers, to marketing experts and investigative journalists. The one thing we all have in common is our love of audio and our belief that it's the best medium by a mile for storytelling. So in this episode of Fresh Ears, we thought we'd give you a snapshot of our team. Over the course of a few weeks, I've spoken to every one of them to gather their insights on what they do and podcasts in general with the aim of giving you some valuable insights into what podcasts and those people who make them are all about. And we'll start with the wonderful Izzy Clark. With a background at the Naked Scientist and a Physics degree... Izzy leads on our science podcasts. She just loves a bit of science storytelling and thinks podcasts are perfect for it.
2: It doesn't really matter the content or what sort of area of science it is. You can really go in depth that, you know, a YouTube video couldn't do because you start with the basics and this is what I do for any of my podcasts. You start with the basics and as the episode goes on, you bring in a little bit more information, you push your listeners a little bit, but it doesn't have to feel like you're sitting there with a textbook, which I think is what a lot of people feel about when it comes to science. They have like bad experiences at school and they're like, oh, no, science, that's not for me. When actually you can associate that with so many things around us every single day that I think it's quite fun when you sort of tease out those stories. And yeah, podcasting is perfect for that because I also think that you find such a dedicated audience and a listenership, and they're kind of like, oh, well, if you like this, then actually here's something else that you might enjoy.
1: Alongside Izzy is Eva Higginbotham. With a degree in neuroscience, Eva is, unsurprisingly, also a huge advocate for podcasts, in the subject of science.
3: To be honest, audio is what I consume and I know that the reason I consume audio is I can listen while I'm living my life. I'm listening while I'm cooking, I'm listening while I'm walking or cycling or or sort of constantly have (laughs) headphones in my ears and I feel like the fact that you can integrate audio into all these different areas of your life means that you can get so much more engagement. You're allowing the story to become integrated into someone's everyday life. And that's what I like to consume. You know, I didn't know what a podcast was in 2015. And now I get to create them telling stories that are interesting and relevant to to everyday people.
1: I love the idea that somebody goes for a run where otherwise they would be staring at the road or looking at the sky. And they can listen to your work and feel like they've gone for a run. And they're also massively smarter at the end of it.
3: Yes, absolutely. And I always used to think, oh, if I was exercising, I'd need to listen to music. I need the, you know, the punchiness of it. And actually, I discovered that's not true at all. I can listen to an audiobook or I can listen to a podcast while I'm lifting weights. And I feel like, oh, I can come away from a gym session and I can feel like I've both really enjoyed what I've been listening to and I've worked out. And I think you just can't get that with really any other medium. Like
1: Izzy and Eva, almost all our team have a background in live broadcast radio, and none more so than Graham Seaman, with 30 years' experience of presenting for BBC Radio. So, podcasts, radio. What's the difference?
4: I think with radio, it's much more immediate. You're up against incredibly tight deadlines, and you learn to be able to speed edit and to mix things at a a faster rate but sometimes you just have to draw the line somewhere quite quickly because you know you've got a deadline to meet with podcasting it's a lot it's a lot more different you've got more time to breathe and that gives you a greater opportunity to experiment more with the way that you mix things the way you add sound effects in the way you mix music There are a whole plethora of tools available to allow you to do that. But that's the thing I enjoy. And I think as a result of that, unless you're being paid vast amounts of money as a producer in a broadcasting organisation like the BBC, where that's all you do, I think certainly from the background I came from, this is great because it means that I can spend more time. And I think the final product is probably more polished in many respects, and you've had a chance to sort of play around with those little nuances that you get with sound that perhaps you couldn't have done if you're working in a live broadcast situation. And I think that word breathe is really important because I think it's, it's not just technically how it breathes, but also the way the story unfolds and the people you talk to. You've got a lot more time to spend... With the guests, you can get more from them and their stories because you're afforded that luxury.
1: Annie Day also came to Fresh Air after being a live producer and has also adjusted to the more thoughtful pace of podcasts and the range of topics we cover.
5: I started in the BBC.
1: As we all did. What a beautiful place. Your
5: old station, in fact. And started working, as is with the station I was in, across everything, (laughs) but predominantly breakfast in mid-morning, so live programs, live news-based programs, so small bite-sized bits of content. The pieces would probably be maximum five minutes, so they were, you know, small, dotted with music, that kind of thing, and out and about reporting as well, but the main thing was that it was live. did that for 15 years and then made a jump to podcasting, (laughs) which is a whole new world.
1: (laughs) Is it that different? Are, are, Are there similarities, in there between doing live radio and making podcasts?
5: Yeah, there are loads of similarities. um, But I think for me, the big difference is going from live fast paced to recorded much slower pace and by that I mean I was working especially on breakfast I might be coming in at five in the morning and setting an interview up for six in the morning so you're booking a guest you're writing a script and you're getting it on air in an hour and then I came and started working with you and you'd say I need 10 episodes and you've got three months to plan (laughs) them and I'd be thinking what (laughs) and but that goes
1: quickly right suddenly you realize that's not a luxury yeah
5: exactly exactly it goes really really quickly so I think that was probably the biggest shock having to turn things around in a different speed but there's loads of things that's really similar so you're working really closely with a presenter you're having to do loads of research writing scripts and getting involved in topics that you didn't necessarily know much about before you were given the project so working in live radio you have to become jack of all trades master of none almost because you'd get your head into something for maybe an hour and then you're on to the next thing you're sorting out a different project and so a lot of the podcasts that I've worked on I've worked on insurance podcasts I didn't know anything (laughs) about insurance before I started working on them so you have to do a real deep dive into brand new topics.
1: One of Annie's first projects at Fresh Air was The Case Files, a podcast which dived into legal cases with victims of crime. Her production partner
6: was Melvin Rickaby. The main thing has been about the kind of the power of storytelling which is absolutely fundamental to The Case Files, a podcast made with Slater and Gordon. The brief was really to showcase some of their high-profile legal cases and they have incredible access to these people telling their stories, often for the first time and never give interviews to other people, but they really trust the lawyers and trust the companies. In a way, it was a case of kind of building trust that we as a production team can take these stories and do incredible things with them basically by using kind of storytelling skills from documentary learning how to pace a story how to spread it out how to intercut it with other elements how to bring music in there, sound effects where necessary how to dress the story to add to the emotional impact of what are our- really quite hard-hitting stories which are difficult to tell and the other thing is I guess as uh, sort of experienced broadcast producers we've interviewed a lot of people I've done a lot of um, stories where I've covered tragic events from uh, hunger for shootings to lots of programmes where I've You're interviewing people about the worst day of their lives, to put it quite bluntly, and you've developed a kind of empathy and understanding and a way of talking to people that puts them at ease, you hope.
1: Seemingly at the other end of the podcasting spectrum is the growth in influencers hosting their own podcasts, something I asked Jack Claremont about. Something you've done a fair amount of is influencers, and this is obviously quite a... Well, it's a big growth area for podcasting, because partly it's a nice gig for an influencer isn't it it also allows them to perhaps have a bit more depth do some more thoughtful stuff that can't fit into a 15
7: second tiktok
1: what's that like can you see do you think that's a trend that's going to keep on building
7: yeah absolutely I think it's a really great tool for influencers to give themselves like you say some more depth to interact with their audience in a different way I think is really key things online are so quick. It's very, you know, it's 10 seconds, 15 seconds, a minute, perhaps two minutes. Podcasts work longer form. And so it allows the audience to really get a much more rounded view of that person that they're interested in. It also kind of allows that person, I think, to expand on their own ideas and to give themselves a bit more depth. It works both ways. Not only are the audience getting more, but the person themselves who's creating the podcast actually has the chance to yeah, expand on their ideas, talk about things that they like, and also address a different kind of format.
1: Laura Gallup has also spent plenty of time working with influencers, helping them to get their heads around how they might transfer to audio.
8: I was speaking to a TikToker the other day, we, you know, I approached her, I I like, think, I love your content, I'd love to work with you, I'd love to, you know, being, just be in touch, and we were there trying to brainstorm, like, what a podcast could be, and it was like, oh, I don't know, because your content is kind of 10 seconds, lots of really funny 10 seconds, it's actually, it's not as easy sometimes to just be like, take someone that's really creative but creative for a certain platform
1: do you think part of that difficulty from being able to transfer from tiktok into podcasts is because podcasts can be seen as really easy i guess at some point there's a shakeout coming where those who think it's easy you know the, the, the the bar will continue to rise for quality for podcasts and those who think it's easy Will fall.
8: I think they will continue to make the podcasts, and I think they will continue to just kind of make a splash and then go away again because I don't think that model has waned at all. You know, we we were talking about this when we were working together, what, four or five years ago, um, that celebrities make a podcast. I think it's really easy and will that go away? You know, will quality ride out? And yes, sure, it does, but it doesn't stop. I don't think it will stop people still thinking that they can start one. So I don't think that industry will become any less like saturated unfortunately
1: but there'll still be a need for someone like you as a skilled producer who can take what they want to say and make it work for audio since september we've had our very own full-time marketing director richard blake his job is to measure podcasts and really understand what success means so if you were a client what would your emphasis be on in judging whether something is a success or not in the
7: podcasting um, world? time spent would probably be my number one thing. Downloads, just in terms of that pure kind of understanding number of people are listening to your podcast and number of people are engaging in your podcast. Conversion rates, I love a conversion rate. No one looks at them properly, but it just shows the measure of quality in terms of the content that we're producing and shows the quality versus like a picture of a pineapple or something. So you have that real kind of sense of like, the podcast is a proper quality content but time spent and I've got this fun stat that I'm using now which is kind of cost per minute of human attention you love that uh, don't you I love it well it's a really good number and it just brings across again that kind of idea that a podcast is a proper immersive plunge into the story of your brand
1: and where do you think the market is do you still feel like you're coming in at the bottom of an exponential curve when it comes to podcasts
7: no, I just think it's moving really quickly. It's really fluid. I think there is a lot happening in the space. It's getting increasingly busy. A lot of people are coming in. Um, there are lots of middlemen dotted around as well. Um, and there are lots of tools that are being kind of banded around as well, some of which are incredible and some of which you kind of go, oh, you're squeezing this little bit here that doesn't quite work. I think key for me is just keeping up to date with everything as much as possible, understanding the value of it in terms of your whole marketing mix and keeping trying stuff as well. We use Fresh Ears, our podcast, and this is Fresh Ears, um, to kind of test stuff out as well, to see what's working and what's not before we kind of roll it out to our clients. And, um, yeah, it's a really good, fun place to be because people are trying stuff and it's incredibly creative.
1: Richard's life, and in fact all our lives, would be far more difficult without our assistant producer, Ollie Seymour. What does an assistant producer do at fresh air
9: yeah it's so varied um i think i sort of i would say i slot in at any point in the production process where the producer or the client needs me so that can be helping with um research in pre-production or helping with booking in guests or booking recordings and then actually running those recordings uh giving edit support and then more at the end of the project or at the end of that the production on that episode, making visual assets, so audiograms for our social media or trailers, that sort of thing. That's becoming more and more
1: part of what we do, isn't it? Because it's quite rare now that a client just has audio. You've got all those other aspects that go alongside it as well. What's the most popular social asset, promotional asset that you end up making?
9: I would say right now, definitely the audiogram, which is... Um, Usually a stationary piece of artwork with a moving waveform and it's a clip from that podcast, probably 20 seconds in length. And it's just really about getting a really catchy, attention-grabbing or funny or exciting clip from the podcast that really hooks in the audience and gets people to stop scrolling on their Twitter or on their Instagram for 20 seconds and then click the link and check out the longer podcast. On the subject of assets, our social media queen is Raj Panda. Raj Panda who's
1: previously spent time creating social content for Love Island. She knows about reels and everything and is always keen to push her clients.
10: Brands should not be scared of doing experimental things like memes or even you know, experimenting with no. reels. And all of those new things that various social media platforms are introducing now don't think, oh, it's just for young people or it's just for, you know, there's various ways that you can tap into an audience now. And memes, people like to see people take, taking the piss out of themselves can i say that yeah yeah (laughs) just like i was like how do i not swear but yeah and i just think yeah have fun with it nothing it doesn't always have to be serious and obviously if you are dealing with serious subject matter think about other ways that you can promote that that isn't just clips from the podcast or an audiogram like think about maybe an explanatory tiktok or a reel
1: so it's just about having an ear for it really to being able to spot those things that will work as other assets
10: Yeah, like how can you explain what your podcast is about in 30 seconds without using a clip from the podcast? Like what bespoke content can you make?
1: A big part of those social assets, of course, is video. Our resident videographer is Leon Gower. And as you might have guessed, he loves it. So Leon, you're our increasingly video guy. It's something that we're being asked for a lot. It feels like it's more than just a short term trend. It feels like video is becoming part of a podcast package do you
11: feel that too definitely I think it's part of the kind of ecosystem of what you've got to put out there if you're producing a podcast and it doesn't have to be just as simple as popping a really nice camera in front of your presenters or your your guests or taking it on the road with you if you're doing something out and about I think what's been called for and what people are doing especially fresh air is a real creative approach to how you bring in visuals as creative as how you go about structuring the kind of uh, format of your program and how you'd record it you can see that happening in the podcasts that are available and the content that they're putting out that isn't 100 audio based and what's the most sort of creative use
1: of video that you're seeing at the moment are there some interesting things out there
11: oh gosh the way people are using video from podcasts on social media. I think that's where all the exciting things are happening because that's where video at the moment is really blossoming for podcasts because it's that short form space where to compete, you've got to have some visualisation, even if it is just an audiogram. I don't say just an audiogram, if it is an audiogram or, or some kind of animation or video, and that's where the experiments are taking place to hook people in, and then those elements can be filtered through in the case that you're making a more long-form piece of content. So yeah, TikTok, Instagram, all of those places, TikTok especially, people using video in really creative ways for podcasts that sometimes... And it, often the best ones aren't bits that are lifted from the podcast. There's something feels a bit, unless it's something really, really special. Sometimes it can feel a little bit uncreative if you're just like, oh, let's just snip um, 38 minutes to 40 minutes and pop that on the Internet and then they'll love that. But like, <laughs> I don't know whether that always happens because you've got to be 38 minutes in to appreciate that, make things for their purpose. As ever, it's
1: about creating something the audience genuinely want to hear. And as Phil Sansom says, our starting point is the medium and those listeners.
12: I don't think the way we approach this kind of thing is that first we think, OK, here's the science. Second, we think, how are we going to communicate it? That, uh, it's certainly one way to like, go about communicating science, if that's your primary goal. But for us, it was always about how can we make you know, great audio and great podcasts first, because that's something people really crave. And I think within that, people really want podcasts and audio that are interesting and make them think and make them learn new things and make them inspired. And the second point is kind of a cliche, but audio is a visual medium and the pictures that you can generate in the listener's head. If you do it right and you give the proper narration and the proper context and the proper actuality and sounds from the environment, then you can really bring something to life in someone's head in quite a magical way that you can do, of course, with film, but it's not as personal as an experience as you can get with talking directly into someone's head.
1: And the person in charge of challenging the clients to try new ideas is our Director of Content, Michaela Hallam.
13: We've worked with some amazing brands who've been hugely receptive to ideas and strategies and I think once they understand that ultimately it's both in their and our interests to make something that delivers on objectives and there's return on investment and that people can see as a success, then they're really open to different ways of experimenting with that and and working with different concepts. And it's everything, as I said, from the context of listening. So one of our brands was really brave and has done a mindfulness series that fits into your two minutes of teeth brushing. And so again, that's, that's, being really clever and adaptive to the way that your listener engages with the content. We've got some brilliant, almost kind of hybrid models going on at the moment where people are borrowing from the grammar of hugely successful podcast genres and applying those in unexpected ways. So you might be with Q, cross-referencing and borrowing from the grammar of true crime to tell stories about botanical science. We're just working on a series at the moment, which is a hybrid of a relationship podcast and a financial company. And that's come out with some really distinctive and surprising um ways in and ways of telling stories and I think that's the key is that podcasting is growing massively as a medium and you need to understand who you're talking to and understand how to stand out in that market to create distinctive content that is going to lift you head and shoulders above the rest but also create an audio brand and a tone of voice and a personality for your brand in, in audio and I don't think enough brands consider what they sound like. And so podcasting is a brilliant way for them to start to explore that. And it's something that we really enjoy helping them do.
1: The other element of your job is managing this growing team of producers that we have and and people picked from all sorts of different backgrounds and and applied to different clients. How would you summarise the team that we have? How do you work with them and what do they as a collective bring to what we do?
13: Genius, passionate, eclectic, it's such a brilliant group of people and such a diverse group of people with s- such different interests and i think that's that's why this works is that we will always try to match a producer with a project that either genuinely interests them or excites them or stretches them and so they're going to enjoy delivering and telling those stories in a really compelling way and i i, th- I think that god that there are people who will be able to tell these stories far better than i ever could and i think that's that's indicative of being able to step back and say okay i can do this bit but you're the one who can crack on and get and get under the skin of this subject matter because it's either something that you're passionate about or something that you've already had an educational interest in. And it's kind of cross-matching the audience with the ways of telling stories with the right person to help tell that story.
1: On the practical front, working closely with Michaela, our most recent recruit is Becky Bird, production coordinator. So what's she here to do?
14: So in terms of helping clients, I feel like having another eye to overview the entire project is so important. Just in terms of keeping everything on track and then helping hit deadlines, originally agreed. Anything that can make everyone's day-to-day a bit more easy and efficient is my remit. So whether that's logistical or just any queries, my impact for clients is just to help everything run as smoothly as possible.
1: Because we have really wide range of types of projects. So some of them are quite simple, some of them are mind-blowingly complicated what are you most excited about getting your teeth into
14: I think it's the complicated ones because I suppose that's why I'm here is to help you know sort those moving parts out just get really stuck in into the nitty-gritty of making a podcast and it's also about understanding what goes into it so there's so many different elements and for me personally that just absolutely fascinates me and to be able to make that run as efficiently as smoothly as possible is maybe a bit geeky some but for me that's that's my dream job yeah I think podcasting itself is growing it's growing so fast and to be part of it now is incredibly exciting it's something that I've been kind of dreaming of so to be part of an industry that's growing at such a fast rate but also the podcasts that we have are just so varied so to be part of a really broad spectrum of podcasts is also yeah incredibly interesting
1: so who is becky coordinating well a team of staff producers and a wider group of freelancers who work with us on a project by project basis one of those is Juliet nichols you work for other people you actually have your own production company and then you work with us as a freelance on particular jobs but do you still feel part of the sort of fresh air family
15: yeah and i think that's the thing that's potentially slightly different with fresh air is maybe because we've worked together for a uh, what feels like years now, I'm sure it is years in a good way, but these things sort of relationships build over time, don't they, and there is a sense of friendship in the fresh air team that I don't know if you get elsewhere when you're freelancing that's the truth of it and I do yeah, I freelance all over the place, do lots of different projects, and for me that's that's the spice of life doing different things and learning different things and that's brilliant but with fresh air, there is a sense of team which is refreshing as a freelancer because sometimes you are just doing your own thing and hopping from project to project and yes, meeting lots of people, but to have a kind of, um, a base, a literal base now as well, right. In King's cross as well as that figurative team and just being able to reach out to other people. If you have questions or queries or those little niggles that you have as an audio producer, you know, something isn't working, who knows, there's always somebody who's willing to step up, which is so nice.
1: And we like to challenge our producers. Martin Points Roberts had been working with Fresh Air for a short time. And then, with his long background in investigative journalism, we gave him quite a challenge.
16: The big steal. We had a conversation earlier than that in which you said, oh, someone's asked me about doing a project about Putin. And I remember saying to you, I think, well, good luck to whoever's doing that. <laughs> yeah, did. And then about six months later, you said, that project's come back again. Uh, what do you think? And I, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> that was brilliant. I mean we we looked at the story we evaluated the scope of it the range of it and you know it was exciting it's an exciting story it's fascinating it's got everything you want from you know money heists to murders to I mean all those things that you know you think oh, crikey you wouldn't get in a movie but it actually is, it is real life and you get buried in it as well don't you <laughs> that storytelling that that yeah. research completely, and I love that side of things. It makes a change to become really immersed in a subject because over my years of being a journalist, you become an expert in very little amounts of an awful lot of things, so you know I can tell you quite interesting facts about a lot of things, but not with the the depth that I know about Russia now so I surround myself in bedtime reading of Russia in the 20th century and things like that yeah I mean it's just a never-ending story which unfolds and it's fascinating and yeah I and, love it
1: and also that's the, that's a
16: podcasting thing isn't
1: it mm. because modern media is a lot about knowing small amounts about lots of stuff we we consume all our media in short bursts so your point about being able to dive into a topic is for you as a journalist but it's also for the listener because they get that dedicated time we all know putin's a bad guy we've known that for a long time but i think one of the premises of the big steel was that we didn't really quite know why or didn't know how bad he was and i think being able to go into that amount of depth on a topic and kind of vicariously because you've researched it so much the listener feels like they suddenly know so much more about the story than they did before.
16: And that's one of the reasons why I've always loved audio over TV and video, because the stories that you tell in radio and audio are so much more detailed than in TV. And it seems that that reflects the attention span of the nation, maybe. You know, people always want to get these quick hits on Snapchat, TikTok, you know, Instagram a lot, but actually there is a risk that that storytelling could become a dying art, could become a lost art. And actually, without that art, what are we? We're we a throwaway society. I mean, you know, we need to delve into these stories that deserve the attention, deserve the detail, because there's so much that people need to know about. The Big Steel demonstrates
1: how branded podcast work can be exciting and ambitious and journalistic. Another producer in the same mould as Martin is Anna Riggs.
2: My podcast is called the Global Safety Podcast, sponsored by Lloyd's Register Foundation. It's about global safety. So it's, it's all about preserving human life. And
1: the great example of that is around safety at work, and particularly women's safety in the workplace, and particularly when that comes to sexual harassment. Talk about that episode for a moment because that was an extraordinary piece of work
2: Um, a a big issue for for women is safety at work and a lot of their research showed up that sexual harassment violence against women at work was a huge thing globally we managed to get a lot of women who weren't in the public eye just just women who had experienced this to to come on and kind of tell their story as well i think that helped it, it didn't help make it more topical but it helped kind of reinforce the idea that this is everywhere and it's a really big problem and it's happening to women all over the world, all the time. I think those voices really did reinforce that.
1: While Martin and Anna come from factual documentary making, Alex Kenning spent his formative years at Radio 1 working for legends like Judge Jules and Giles Peterson. So he's an advocate for elevating your podcast with sound design.
17: Well, I think there's a few things, and it's probably more pertinent now that a lot of podcasts are being recorded remotely. Or obviously, we're in a studio now, but there's you know there's obviously sound design, but there's also making sure that the acoustics of the room that you're in will make you sound as good as you can sound. So ideally, you don't want to be in a kitchen or a bathroom or outside or in anywhere that you know, has lots of space, because that's all, uh, immediately going to give your voice lots of reverb, and that's going to ultimately not sound great and also it's much harder to edit when there's lots of reverb there are some very great plugins which can help but again that flattens the sound and doesn't um, make it sound very natural we did a really interesting podcast with the toothpaste brand didn't we where we use sound effects to accompany instructions for children to brush their teeth to and i thought that was a really great way of actually using sound design in a non-cheesy way to add like a new layer, a new dimension to the episodes.
1: Sound design, music radio and commercial audio are the grounding for another of our senior producers, Catherine Kerr, and she applies her skills in creating multi-layered programmes for culture, history and beyond.
18: So imaging, it kind of encompasses a lot of different things. It's a very beautiful field, which I (laughs) I don't work in anymore, but I do definitely take the emotive element of it forward into a lot of the productions that I create. So when it comes down to the editing and creative process, usually when you're actually writing and scripting, you're starting to shape ideas of how you want your listener to feel and what kind of world you want to immerse them in. So whether it's using sound effects that you've gathered on location or maybe a bit of you know, cheeky foley or sound design or music to create the mood and then obviously directing your presenters and voices, all of that comes together in creating a certain atmosphere for your production and um, taking your audience on an emotional journey so there are definitely lots of tips and tricks from the world of imaging and audio production that you can deploy when you're actually creating narrative programs as well definitely it's storytelling in its its most beautiful form isn't it I'm a writer myself so uh, being able to add that extra element that that takes people out of wherever they are and puts them somewhere else is you know uh, an amazing thing to do because it's what you're trying to do anyway is capture people's imagination and take them away and We all know what it's like when you're watching a TV programme or listening to something on the radio and you forget what you're doing in the real world because you're so caught up in a story. And I suppose that's what we want to do with sound.
1: Meanwhile, Paul Russell spent his pre-fresh air time in the comedy world. And so he's all about taking the germ of an idea and building it into a full-on podcast.
19: Working with comedians, I'd work with comedians, come up with ideas. It was just fantastic. Pitching ideas to the BBC mainly. But one of the best and one of my proudest moments, I went with a lady called Kerry Godleman and I saw her stand up show. And within that stand up show, she did a five minute piece, which was brilliant on her having lists and the importance of her having a list because she was a mum as well as a comedian. And it was hilarious. So I sat there and thought, there is a radio idea there. And we came up collectively with her and her writer. And we came up with two series of half-hour sketch shows where we created each week she would tell us what's on her list that week. And it would, some things would be really weird, some things would be like buying loo paper. But each of them then either produced stand-up, sketches, chats. It was absolutely fantastic. And my proudest moment was when I took a phone call after the second series was airing on Radio 4, from an Irish animator who said, we've listened to this, thinks it's fantastic, can we animate it, please? Amazing. And it didn't happen. But just to <laughs> sit and think that we've created audio that kind of, which is exactly what we want to try and do now with Fresh Air, is use comedy in a way that really hasn't been done before. There's lots of comedy podcasts out there. The reality is most comedy podcasts, are either two comedians talking about themselves or two comedians talking about other people. That's okay. But there's so much more that we could do. And with the help of brands who've got stories to tell, who've got experiences, to build that into a comedy environment has got to be just perfect. But it's not easy, and you've got to have commitment from clients, etc. But I think we've got a great team at Fresh Air that I think can create, hopefully, some really unique, witty podcasts that maybe the country hasn't seen before or heard before.
1: And sometimes we bring to life the client's own idea. Our resident business and finance expert, Juliana Needham, has worked with Barclays to train their own presenters and develop their own format ideas.
0: Barclays wanted to use an internal presenter who is a business development manager in their mortgage team. In March last year, we ran auditions uh, and it was just as the country was... Covid was kind of hitting the country. We came up with two really great presenters, so we decided to use them together. And then the country went into lockdown, so we had to train two completely novice presenters in how to present a podcast, get them set up with equipment and get them up and running, which took quite a lot of work, particularly on the sound front of the the training, interview techniques. Luckily, they've been absolutely brilliant and really fun to work with.
1: We have a lot of clients who want to use internal presenters is that a, a good choice most of the time
0: I think if you've got the right the right people to work with I think if you if there's nobody obvious then it can be a disaster but I think with the right people which these two definitely are it can be lots of fun and they bring a lot of knowledge to the table they know their subject inside out they're really fun to work with they've got good connections so yeah it's worked out really well
1: working with internal presenters is one thing but we also go out and find presenters for your podcast Jane Morgan was given the task of creating a podcast that explored Islamist terrorism and was sent out to find
20: the perfect host before we even thought about presenters, we were pretty clear on what it was that this podcast was trying to do. It had a very specific focus. So it wasn't just generally about terrorism. It was trying to give people the information they needed to get back on the horse. If they saw a terrorism news item, if something was happening in a far-flung country, a lot of us that was the idea feel that actually you know what we've lost track we, it's a yet another dusty landscape with people on the back of white Isuzu trucks and we don't really know what's going on or it's you know who are these people and what is the difference between Daesh and ISIS and all of that so the the concept of the podcast was quite clear at the beginning and that was we want to give people who aren't experts the sufficient information that they now can begin to understand all of the different things that are happening, which then helps. And that focus helps when you're thinking about, okay, so what presenter do we need? And we knew that we needed somebody who had some context, who had some knowledge and relevance, but wasn't afraid to ask simple questions, so that was the real thing. We had the on the one hand, we could have gone for someone who was a, a very sort of accomplished, high-profile type journalist, and that would have been okay. But what we actually went for was someone who, so Anantawa, who was had been in the army, he'd been he'd served in the first Iraq war. So he had a sort of sense of what being out in some of these environments was like. He had become a a journalist. He'd worked for The Economist and that kind of thing. But he was that we just knew from talking to him that he wouldn't mind saying, actually, you know, what does that mean? What is jihad? Why do we what what you know, what does um, Sharia law actually mean? What? how do these people do that? And so what we did was mix this knowledgeable but genuinely curious presenter with a lot of really good experts. They had the knowledge, but he was happy to be our curious bystander. And that's, he was putting himself in the possession of the, of the audience then. Um, and because the, our main premise was that a lot of the coverage of terrorist acts and, and issues around terrorism assume a certain amount of knowledge and we were taking a step back. And so I think he was perfect for that. I think he did a really good job.
1: And once we found them, the producer's job is to get the very best out of their presenter. Anushka Tate has worked with some of the best and knows how to coax out a performance.
21: Being on mic is an incredibly vulnerable position to be in, even for the most you know confident and seasoned of broadcasters. What I learnt from live radio, where the stakes are that much higher, if something goes wrong, that presenter has to know that if something goes wrong or if something comes up, I'm in their ear and that I've got their back and that we've done as much pre-production preparation as possible so that they are as confident as they can possibly be in that moment that I've taken care of the tech for them, you know, maybe less so recently with remote recording, but so that I've taken as much out of their brain as possible so that they can just concentrate on being absolutely in the moment with their guest and having that conversation. So it goes both ways. They have to trust me and know me to know that I'm going to do that for them. It's as much about understanding their personality so that I know what kind of producer they need me to be, you know, how best they're going to respond over time, getting to know their strengths and weaknesses and concerns and insecurities or whatever it might be so that, I know if they're going to respond better to feedback if it's delivered in a kind of softly, softly nurturing way or if I can actually get the best performance out of them by being really direct and maybe even pushing their buttons a little bit because I know that that's going to fire them up. And that's it's a constant relationship building I think because yeah of course there are things that you don't know that you need to like with any relationship now but you don't know that you need to work on until until they come up
1: (laughs) 30 years later yeah right Right? (laughs) and finally Sarah Moore manages the podcast for one of our biggest clients and one of the world's largest law firms DLA Piper working with lawyers and partners who, despite their seniority, can still find the microphone intimidating.
22: A company like DLA Piper, obviously it's a global firm, it's um, got very high-value clients, but they, they're in, I think, more than 40 countries across the world, so they're a very diverse company internally, and I think their ideas for their own podcasts are almost endless, really. All the teams are slightly different, not only in terms of their knowledge of podcasting, but also uh, what they bring to the table. And, and also in terms of confidence, sometimes these are some of the world's top lawyers, but they may not have recorded anything before. You know, there's a real range there and they cross within their own company. They cross borders and speak in different languages and cover different legal systems. And that can be quite difficult, I think, because within a company where there is a, a structure and a hierarchy, that can be a little bit embarrassing for some people, I think, if they are working with um, colleagues who might be beneath them in the in the company structure, but those colleagues might know more about their, the technology we're using or something like that. So it's, it can be a, a little bit awkward, but that's, I see that as part of my job, really, to help everyone feel at ease and, and feel confident in what we're doing. And as you know, it, it's not actually that difficult once you know what you're doing. It's just that some people have never done it before.
1: So there you go. We'll help you mould an idea, find presenters, tell stories, market it, organise it, visualise it. The lot with a team of people who are the very best in the business. I hope that was useful, and if you'd like to find out more about how you can create a podcast for your brand, you can find us on freshairproduction.co.uk. I've been Neil Cowling. That was Fresh Ears. Thank you very much for listening. Fresh